Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to another broadcast on the Soul of America Radio. Tonight, you're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, with your host, J.R. Thicklin. Tonight's broadcast is brought to you by Blog Talk Radio, hosted and produced by the Soul of America Radio. Comments made on tonight's broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Blog Talk Radio, the Soul of America Radio, or its host. Hope and Healing takes you from a place of pain, abuse, violence, rejection, and abandonment to a place of hope, healing, and power. All aboard with your author, activist, advocate, and friend, man of purpose himself, and your host for the evening, Mr. J.R. Diglett. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you've joined me tonight right here on Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness on the Soul of America Radio Network. I'm so glad that you're listening to me from coast to coast. We can be heard. If you're listening by www.soulofamericaradio.com, we welcome you tonight as you're listening by way of Internet. If you're calling in tonight by way of uh, the phone number, area code 323-784-9638. We welcome you tonight, and if you'd like to be a guest, meaning if you have a question or you'd like to have part in the show tonight, simply hit the number one on your keypad that lets our producer know that you desire to have a question or comment or have something to say. Now, if you'd like to reach me, you're listening by way of internet, and you'd like to uh, email me, me a confidential question or just a question you might want answered, simply uh, email me at jficklin at soulofamericaradio.com. That's the letter J, T-H-I-C-K-L-I-N, at soulofamericaradio.com. That is how you can reach me here on tonight. And uh, as always, we are streaming live right here on this great network, soulofamericaradio.com. I'm so glad to be back with you today. I pray and trust that everyone had a great Memorial Day weekend on last week and Memorial Day. Uh, We did not air it last week, but we're so glad to be back with you on today. And uh, so many uh, that have overcome and have come through so many things, perhaps over the weekend, one of the reasons that we chose Monday to be our show, because so many things tend to happen over the weekend. Whether a person is dealing with an uh, abusive situation or dealing with a situation that occurred of conflict or loss, we're here for you tonight. I'm so glad that as I've had the opportunity to speak to so many and I've heard back from so many individuals who missed the show last week and said that we are looking forward to tonight, and I'm so glad that you've joined us on tonight. 
I want to do a few things tonight uh, before we get into really uh, our topic tonight. And and and, and believe me, my, our topic is that topic, but it's always open to you. It's always open to your uh, being a part of it, your questions and your comment, because you make this show possible and you make it special. Now, I want to just say I want to give a shout out real quickly to uh, those of part of my Destiny by Choice Fellowship page there, Destiny by Choice Fellowship. That is found right. Uh, on Facebook. So there's another way that you can reach me. There are a couple of pages. Uh, Destiny by Choice Fellowship page, which is a very unique page. Uh, you might want to join. It's a page, literally, that is designed to just bring encouragement, hope, uh, filled with scripture, filled with worship, filled with praise and positive testimonies from individuals. And I'm telling you, we have individuals that are on every single day and throughout the day. They are posting something that is uplifting, something that is positive, something that actually gives you something to be uh, inspired by and often great wisdom. And just a little later on in the show today, we're going to take the time to acknowledge our first, we have what we call roll call every morning, very early in the morning. So roll call is that individual, the individuals who wake up in the morning and they begin to uh, give that inspirational message or they give that hello or something that is going to enlighten or encourage and empower someone. And people, that is part of the hope and healing. That is part of what happens inside of what we do. And I'm so glad about it. And I'm going to get, I'm going to get, uh, Renee. Renee is our first winner of that, and I just want to take the time to do that before we really get into our topic tonight in just one second. I'm going to uh, bring Renee on, and uh, because she, she is that uh, month of May winner, that means that she was calling, she was up, she was posting uh, Renee Marie uh, Mungin Capers, and I believe I may have her on the line here. I'm going to take a wild guess, folks. Listen, we have people that are on from all over, from coast to coast. We have people on from California, from Carolina. They're from everywhere. So I'm not exactly sure if this is going to be Renee on the first one here, but I'm going to try. I have a few people that, uh, from what I'm understanding, have already indicated that they're on, uh, that they have something they would like to say. So if you want to reach us tonight, uh, you can reach us at area code 323-784-9638. That's how you reach us. You listen to Hope and Healing, our journey to wholeness tonight. And we're going to get started right now. Uh, Call her with your number ending in 5980. I want to say Good evening to you today. You're on the air. Hi, how are you? This is Rena Marie Munton Capers. Okay, I'm so glad. Rena, you pronounced it right. Rena, how are you tonight? I'm fine in yourself. I'm blessed. I am fine and I'm great. And Rena, I want to take the time tonight just to acknowledge for those that are out there that you are the month of May uh, roll call winner on Destiny by uh, Choice Fellowship page. And, and what that means is that you're getting up quite early. And you're not only getting up quite early, but you're, you're, you're inspiring first thing in the morning. And the question I want to ask, what is, it that is, what is it that inspires you to get up that time of morning? And why is it that you choose to share a greeting or share a song or share something positive with people when you get up? Because it's in my spirit, <laughs> I guess. It's, I mean, yeah, it's in my spirit. That's I'm, that's just the way I am. And well, it's in your spirit. But you know, uh, all of us, you know, we we have that choice. People sometimes wake up and they're bitter. People wake up and they're mad with the world. People wake up and they, you know, and, and they're angry. They don't want to get up. And yet, it's still, you have awakened several times in the month of May, uh, more times than most. And you are that first person to post something there inside of the Destiny by Choice uh, Fellowship page. And, and I just want to know, what is the thing that most encouraged you and inspired you to do so? Uh, I guess it's God. You know, I love spreading the word. I love uh, putting up music, you know, 
gospel music. That's what I listen to. And I mean, I don't know what else to say. I'm a little nervous right now, but. Well, well, it's okay. I, I just want to appreciate you and acknowledge you here on our show here, uh, Hope and Healing, because of the fact that it does take someone with a good mind and with a good spirit to want to share and make sure that someone else's day is impacted in a great way. The fact that you choose music, and music is definitely a, a medium that oftentimes brings uh, uh, you know, happiness and brings joy to others. And so I'm very glad that you've done so and continue to do so uh, because it is inspirational. It does inspire us and just continue to do so and you know as you do so it's going to bless a lot of people like it has you know whether it's the first thing that you post in the morning or it's a song that you have had there it's been a blessing to so many so i want to thank you so much for doing so and i want to give a big shout out to you today all right thank you so much thank you so much continue to listen to us tonight i'm so glad that you're on all tonight all right thank you so much I was so glad to have Rena uh, there, who is uh, the winner of the month of May, a roll call. That means that Rena is, uh, uh, she's been on first to post her good morning greetings there on the Destiny by uh, Choice 2 uh, fellowship page there. Uh, I have another call on the line here. I don't know who they are, but I'm going to bring them on right now. Uh, Eric Coat, I mean, number ending in 7155. I want to, uh, 7155 tonight. And I want to welcome them to the air and see if they have a question or answer. Welcome tonight to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. You're on the air. Good morning. I mean, good evening, Pastor Jay. This is Diane Walker, one of the administrators for Destiny by Choice. Thank you so much, Diane. How are you tonight? I'm fine. And yourself? I'm doing great. It is so glad to have you on with us tonight. What's on your heart? I, in my heart, I just want to say that I am so thankful to Rena. Because when she comes on in the morning, the first thing she does is post songs that encourage you, you know, not only your heart, but your spirit. And not that she just posts one song. She just posts a song after song after song. And first she listens to these songs before she actually puts them on. I call her our resident DJ, like video DJ. <laughs> and I'm always joking with her about it. And that's a powerful thing because she has quite a few songs that she has posted, a lot of things that are very encouraging, and, and therefore it could set the spirit of the day. Wouldn't you agree? <laughs> are you there? I lost. Okay. I think I may have just – maybe I lost. Maybe I didn't. I'll make sure I get back here, see if I – are you there, Diane? Are you there? Okay, I think her call is dropped inside of that. Uh, but once again, you can reach us at area code 323-784-9638. I'm quite sure she'll be back on with us very shortly inside of that. Let me go right here to, that's right, number ending in 4779. And this will be the last call we take before the break, and we'll get started inside of our subject matter for today. Good evening, and welcome to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. You're on the air. You're on the air tonight, caller. Hello? I'm just wondering, have we lost more Hi. Calls? No, I'm here. <laughs> okay. Hi, this is Indy. Hi, this is Indy Harlem, the page creator and also administrator of uh, okay. Destiny by Choice 2. Welcome. And, um, well, I guess it's our night tonight. <laughs> but I also, I just wanted to call in and also congratulate um 
Rena. Um, she's very dedicated and a loyal member of BBC Two from the very beginning. And um, I just wanted to call in and to thank her and to thank all of the family members at BBC Two. Um, like you said, it is a um, it's a great page. It's a great way to start your day with music, inspirational, you know, messages, and um, we just have a great team, including yourself, and wonderful events, weekly events that go on. And I just want to thank you for this platform for allowing us to be able to share this wonderful page with everyone that's listening. Well, it's absolutely a great page, and, I, and I'm thankful for you because, in so many ways, you're the you're the mastermind behind it. You know, you saw the need of it, and once again, taking something and making it a positive use. So many times, social media gets a bad rap about how terrible it could be, and you know what's wrong with, it and all those things there. But the reality is, uh, you know, that it is what we make it, and you you have made it something great. It is a place of inspiration. I tell anyone, you can be inspired. You can be inspired with song, with testimony, with scripture, and that's the way the spirit of the day is set. Uh, you, you won't find a bunch of gossip or foolishness on that page at all, because that's kind of the code of ethics uh, that has been established there, and that is something that is so crucial in this time, because I believe that people, you know, people find ways to unwind, people find ways to uh, get better. People find ways to find strength, and when they can find it right at the very tip of their fingers, uh, you know, in the privacy of their home or the privacy of their car, whether they're, you know, uh, accessing the page via the uh, uh, smartphone or whatever, it is a very powerful thing. So I thank you all once again, and I definitely thank Rena uh, for being there, and all of you. I mean, it's a, it's a matter of the fact of the dedication that's there. And I, you know, and I, I want to also take the time to welcome. We have two uh, new members that have recently joined: uh, Blanca West and Norman Norris. And uh, both of them, I want to welcome them even here publicly on on this particular broadcast. Uh, welcome to the page, and I'm quite sure they're adding more to the family. And just thank you so so much, Indy. You're very welcome. Have a blessed day. Okay, thank you all so much. There you heard it, folks. The great people there from uh, Destiny by Choice uh, to Fellowship page. Yes, one of the pages right there on Facebook where you can find us right there on Facebook, Destiny by Choice and Roman numeral 2 Fellowship page. And that's a great page to be, and I think that you'll find it to be very enlightening and very encouraging. Uh, we're right up on time of a break today, but you can reach us at area code 323-784-9638. Erico 323-784-9638. We'll be right back after the break, and we're going to get into a very, very uh, uh, serious topic here, uh, one uh, that is straight out of the headlines today in Selma, Alabama. So you listen to Hope of Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. I am your host, J.R. Thickman, and I will see you immediately after the break. Thank you.
Radio. You're listening to J.R. Sacred, COVID Healing, our journey to wholeness, right here on the one and only Soul of America Radio. We'll be right back. New programming coming up on the Soul of America Radio. Go to soulofamericaradio.com for more information. Murdered her stepfather and then killed himself. 
and it has rocked this community, it's rocked the city and the citizens there of the greater Dallas County area there. And undoubtedly, you can understand, uh, it has raised a lot of questions there. It's raised questions in many ways. It's raised questions as it relates to, um, you know, uh, uh, why did this happen? It's raised question uh, as to whether the fact how, you know, what is it that drove the officer uh, to this place? You know, it's raised a question as it relates to the fact of, uh, you know, can victims or other people feel safe in calling the police when you have a person who works on a police force who may be a perpetrator of domestic violence or might go to this extreme inside of their own situation? But even more so, people, tonight, I don't want us to lose sight of the fact that um, – Inside of what has occurred, there's a tragedy that has impacted uh, quite a few families here. Yes, the young lady in which the name has not been released at the time of my last inquiry, the young lady, the fiancé, not the fiancé, the ex-girlfriend, whose life was taken, as well as her family members. um, um, uh, Details are still coming in about uh, whether she has any children or the number of children. But they were also saying – the fact that these individuals uh, have families, including the uh, alleged gunman uh, by the name of Dwight, I believe it is, Mora. They're a young man, young man, uh, uh, off-duty police officer at this time, has done two tours of Iraq, 28 years old. And, you know, from the latest report from my sources, it's the fact that just earlier that day, less than two hours before the time of this uh, alleged killing, he was laughing and talking with people, having uh, having uh, brunch with people, and for this to happen is almost inexplicable. And the question that I propose today to so many is the fact: how does this how does this factor in? What is it that uh, is going on in the life of an officer or person in authority that will cause them to go to that extreme? Why is this even an option? And so it's, it's one of those questions that I definitely think is uh, being asked by so many. And the other part of that is the fact is what do people do? You know, how do a person who may be a victim of domestic violence right now, does these type of activities and these type of things occurring, how does it impact a person's trust? Does it erode their trust in the law enforcement inside of uh, the law enforcement or not? Those are questions we're proposing today. If you'd like to get in on it, just simply call area code 323-784-9638, area code 323-784-9638. That is how you can reach us uh, here on Solo America Radio, here on Hope and Healing. Now, by the same token, I want to make sure that we're perfectly clear uh, that inside of this, everyone here carries a tag. You know, there is the victim, which we know as the person who was killed, the young lady, but there's also a victim here in for terms of the stepfather and his family, and there's a victim even in terms of this perpetrator who have done so. Something, someone said, click. Something happened in terms of this. And I'm not here to dissect that case uh, uh, per se, but I am here to talk about the nature of these things that happen when we have people in authority, uh, positions of authority such as law enforcement. When these type things happen, what is it that we do? How do we make it, uh, you know, what is it that we do uh, to restore the faith and the trust inside of law enforcement? And that is a major question today. So, even as we're here today, I see that we have some callers there, and perhaps they have an answer or perhaps have a comment, but we want to get to them right now tonight. Uh, phone number ending in 3865. Phone number ending in 3865. I want to welcome you this evening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. You're on the air. 
good evening, Jr. How are you doing this evening? Good evening. How are you? Doing great. Uh, I want to give you a shout out. This is Curtis Taylor. Yes, sir. From, uh, from something for the fellas. Uh, just basically want to call in to support yourself with your show, as well as uh, Tony Stallings, my big brother in the game. Um, Absolutely. I would just want to let you. I just want to let you know that uh, the topic that you guys are speaking on is a prevalent matter that takes place not only today, but that's been taking place forever, so to speak. And um, speaking for myself, as being a former highway patrolman, I can definitely relate to these type of issues. But uh, I just want to commend you guys on tackling this issue that you're tackling tonight because it's definitely a situation that needs to be exposed. And I'm glad that you're on, Curtis, because first of all, you know, hands on, you've been in that, you've been in that arena of law enforcement there, being with the highway patrol. So, in one sense, you you know the pressures of it, and you know a lot of things that go along with it, and 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 perhaps you could even shed some light on it. One of the questions that I'm concerned about is, uh, which is a number of questions, is the fact: what does it do for the uh, the erosion of the confidence of the general public who might say, "Wow." You know, here's an officer. You know, and we and you and I both know that officers are people as well. They had, uh, the officer is part of their occupation. But when people say this is an officer, a person who's uh, sworn to protect and serve, and yet it's still we see this type of playing out of an event that happened in their life. And for an individual who might be a victim of domestic violence, what happens to their confidence now? You know, are they hesitant to call? Are they afraid they might get a, an officer to come that may be uh, partial uh, to the situation? Are you there? I think we've lost Jay. Um, this is Tony. Uh, uh, you can go ahead and answer this question. How you doing, Kurt? Hey, what's going on, big bro? Uh, go ahead, well, man. Uh, he dropped. But go ahead and answer it. I'll talk to you until he gets back. All right, no problem. Well, my answer to that question would be, and you can definitely relate due to your prior experience in law enforcement as well, when you, <clears throat> and please excuse me because you, you, you know my situation, my voice is still oh, yeah. trying to come back. But right. yeah, when, when you when you wear that badge, regardless of where it's a, a city cop or where it's a county sheriff, or as per myself as a highway patrolman, you're you are automatically upheld to a certain standard. I mean, oh, that's, that's true. Bottom line, point blank. But what a lot of the general public doesn't understand or can't relate to, unless you've been in the field as we have, is that we still, at the end of the day. During our duty days, we're faced with so many dire situations. You know, that, that that was the end of my career as a highway patrolman because what I thought was a routine traffic stop, I ended up being shot in a line of duty. Wow. I mean, although, albeit, the guy who shot me didn't realize he shot me until two days later because of the narcotics that he was on. But right. regardless of the fact, we faced people – such as ourselves, all things mm-hmm. we can do in the morning when we put on that vest, when we put on that uniform, is ask God to be with us throughout that day because we don't know what we're going to face. 
And that's true, and and I'm I think Jay's back with us. I'm gonna turn the, the 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 call back over to him. But you know that that is so true. Being in in law enforcement, I can say that some of the 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 anciest calls I got in Birmingham, they called it a 38. Those were domestic violence calls, and we never went to a domestic violence call in a single car. We always had to have two units because. Those, along with traffic stops, as you said, you know, a lot of officers get shot. Most officers get killed on traffic stops. But the other dangerous call that uh, is very common is domestic violence. And I'm pretty sure that in, with you being a, a highway patrolman, you might, I don't know if you were out on the interstates or, or going into homes, but they really, really, really were very dangerous calls to go on. And, and you know, I... So I, I don't know if sometimes when, when officers suit up and go out there, me and Jay talked about this earlier, if that plays in their head, do you think, and I'm going to let Jay take over after this, but do you think that that might be something with law enforcement officers that that add to the tension of the job, those dangerous calls like domestics, and if you got involved in them? Well, see, this this is my thing about that, Tony, and this is just Curtis's opinion on that right there. When we, when like you said earlier, like I said, when we suit up at the beginning of, the, of our patrol shift, when we go to the meeting and our desk sergeant or our lieutenant or our chief or whatever the case may be gives us our assignments. Now, as far as me, I played several roles. I either I was patrolling the interstate, and upon patrolling the interstates, the only time I really got involved with domestic violence, and believe it or not, it really happens, is at rest stops. Domestic wow. violence happens at rest stops at a, at a really it's an alarming rate because you think about it, you got families that are traveling, you know, interstate traffic, traveling, whatever the case may be, and it could be a lot of the times when this happened, it was during the summer months. And it's and to me, I believe in my heart, it's a fact that during summer months, crime is on the uprise, regardless of what level that you serve on, because it's hot, first of all. I mean, it's hot, things be said, temperatures are flaring, eruptions take place, and then bam, here you go. But to answer your question, as far as the topic is related to, the things that we go through during the course of a duty day, you know, a lot we are taught and trained not to take it home with us. Even though we have that training, an extensive training that I might add, that we're taught not to take it home with us at the end of a duty day, Certain things, like one thing that I used to do was replay the day. I would try mm-hmm. to take every scenario that I dealt with or that I was involved with directly and replay it and be like, okay, Curtis, what could you have done that could have made this outcome just a little bit better? Sometimes it's your, your hands are tired, and there's no, nothing you can do to make some situations better than what they are. Wow, well, it is good to talk to you, Kurt. I'm going to turn the show back over to the, to the host, Mr. Thicklin. Jay, Jay, you there? I'm there. Thank you, Tony. You, you, I tell you, man, you're, you're just there because I was experiencing some type of difficulty that disconnected me on two different occasions there. But as I did get a chance to uh, listen in to what both Curtis and yourself were saying, and I, and I appreciate this because, in fact, this is coming from people who have uh, actually worked as law enforcement officers, worked in that arena. And so, therefore, we talk about the tensions and all those things that are there. And we definitely don't want to undermine because, you know, they're bad. I think Curtis started off with, with saying it perfectly that, you know, this is an incident that's been going on for years. You know, it's not just isolated uh, even to uh, 
uh, law enforcement. We see it on every level, every profession. I've seen clergy that have that have done these same type thing. I've seen lawyers. I've seen doctors. Everyone have done so. So I think part of what it is, and I want to make sure that the, the listening audiences uh, don't get it twisted. We're not here trying to pathologize what has happened. We're not here trying to uh, justify. But what I think we're doing is that we're trying to create a conversation that talks about the climate, the climate in which an officer works, and oftentimes their life is on the line each and every time they get there. And, Curtis, you were just saying something about the training, and I know in a lot of my research we talk about, you know, I mean, there takes a, a very intense training for an officer to be able to do the job that they do. A part of the same training that they get, which teaches them to be aggressive, even inside of their uh, interrogating of, uh, of, of, you know, of suspects and those things, part of those things are very important because, in fact, that is what it takes in order to to be effective in the job, but the ability to turn that off when you get home, and, and, and you said something about it, you're taught to, you know, leave that stuff at work, but I think you would agree that it's easier said than done. And so when we talk about it being easier said than done, I think that what happens is the fact that for some that aren't able to turn it off, for some that that isn't, because, you know, as a law enforcement officer, and it's kind of talking about the climate here of, of our culture and, and society, as a kid, I always respected, I had a fear of law enforcement. I mean, it was always there. Uh, the way I see a lot of young people disrespect uh, law enforcement today is baffling to me because I was brought up to respect them, and I respect the uniform. I respect, you know, I respect who they were. And yet, it's still uh, there are many times, and I think you guys can agree that law enforcement uh, officers—they are a challenge. They're challenging their day-to-day -day work. The authorities even challenge. And I know that it can be a very risky situation, and I definitely appreciate you, Curtis, in sharing the fact, you know, and unfortunately the tragedy of you, uh, you know, working and being shot by an individual, um, you know, who was definitely out of it, spaced out of it in terms of that. But one of the things I do want to say, and I so appreciate you guys saying, is the fact of the need for more of what I call a transparency. And the transparency is the fact that individuals need to be able to speak their mind. Individual uh, uh, individuals that need to not only uh, be able to be transparent as officers if they are going through a situation at home, is there a safe place for them to be able to express? So uh, chime in any time. And, Tony, I know that you're there, and definitely I want you to chime back in. I really appreciate both you and Curtis. Go right ahead. Yeah, man, I'm I'm sorry. My, my kids are in the background listening to the game. I'm sorry for the 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 the, the, the mute the stuff in the background. But well, that's um, right. you know, I, I wanted to say something the, that um, room. <laughs> oh yeah, in the next room. Yeah, I, I wanted to say something. You know, um, it's not just. I, I, it also brings to light, and like you said, we, we're sort of like just creating the climate. Um, this also looks at. I look at it from another perspective too. Um, you know, domestic violence covers it, it it doesn't stop with law enforcement it doesn't stop with judges it doesn't stop with lawyers um you name it heads of state uh, uh there's been uh, all kinds of officials mayors um, um any uh, priests pastors in other words there is no profession that is skipped over when it comes to a domestic violence situation that you, you can't I, I, I mean law enforcement for the most part you have some good law enforcement officers but that still does not negate the fact 
that there are officers that not, I don't know that are regular abusers, I'm sure that they are, but just like anybody else, combat veterans, um, you name it, uh, managers of stores, they're out there, Jay, and, and I think this sheds a light on it, and people are kind of taken when it's somebody in law enforcement. And, and I want to propose to you that although it's shocking, it really shouldn't be something that kind of floors us because there are no boundaries. Uh, law, uh, domestic violence goes beyond an occupation. You, you know what I'm saying? Absolutely. It, it crosses all those lines. There is no boundaries. You're, you hit it. There's no boundaries in class. There's no boundaries in economic status. There's no boundary in, in gender orientation. There's no boundaries whatsoever. Now, now, what I think happens is, is that, like you said, people see the law enforcement, they see the badge, and they respect it. And then when it happens, it sort of pierces them a little bit because you develop a trust, a, a fiduciary uh, kind of trust where you're, you're trusting them with, 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 your, with your life, uh, so to speak. And I think it sort of pierces people when they hear about it. You know, so like uh, police officers, uh, uh, even doctors, for instance. And uh, I can remember uh, uh, taking a, a, a doctor to jail uh, for domestic violence. And, and the first, uh, what he told me all the way to the jail in the back of the car was, I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. But his wife was looking like somebody had had uh, had put a baseball in it, <laughs> and so you know it it, it didn't it, it didn't it, it it shocked me. But then at the same time, this guy has a fist, he has an attitude, and he has a temper. So it just negated that fact. But I think that this tragedy that happened um, in Selma. Uh, caught a lot of people off guard because a lot, like you said, law enforcement are, are respected. They are trusted in the community, and it sort of catches you off guard. But it wakes us up, Jay. It wakes us up, brother. Absolutely, absolutely, it does. You know, and one of the things that I, I could so appreciate is this. You know, it happened. You know, one of the things I, I was posing, and you know, I was there in Birmingham a few months. I mean, I guess it was in April there at the conference where I spoke, and one of the things that was so powerful in this conference. Uh, uh, you know, there was one of the things that came up, and uh, they did a skit. They did well. It wasn't a skit. I mean, it was an impromptu type of a, dr a dramatic piece that took place. That literally, if you did not know, I mean, it took me a few seconds to recognize that this is just some type of role play. For for about three seconds, I'm ready to take the next move. You know, let's apprehend this dude. You know, but one of the things that came to pass inside of this play was, I mean, inside of this conference was the fact of you know, do people that are that are professionals or people that even work in the profession. Do they have a safe place that they could go and talk about the issue uh, that they are facing? You know, and that's the thing about it. Do is there a safe place? Do officers feel there's a safe place? Have we created a safe place even among a professional? Or have we created a safe place for anyone to be able to say, "Look, I've got a problem going on here, and I need help." And, and, and them wanting help, or are we at a place that, you know, people use their authority or use their, their power in order to get to where they want to go? Well, if, if, if I can chime in on that real quick. Go right ahead, Curtis. Now, and Tony, can, Tony and yourself can speak to this as well. It, it, as far as uh, safe haven, as far as law enforcement and things of that, you know, the first line of defense that they tried to want everybody to use would be the the chaplain. 
of that unit right. that you're in. Okay. Second line of defense, which is hardly ever used because it's like breaking the code, which is IA, and Tony can speak to that, internal affairs. It's like mm-hmm. if you talking to someone in internal affairs or something like that, you, you, you're breaking the blue shield code, so to speak. It's like if you're going to IA, you're going to snitch on your brother in arms or it's, it, you, you'll just be looked upon in a different light and pretty much you'll be frowned upon. Now, let me say this if I can. As far as law enforcement as a whole, we're trained and taught above all other things to first and foremost be effective communicators as well as effective listeners. Now, when I say that, I say this. You should be able to, a lot of times when you're a seasoned officer, you can diffuse a situation just by listening. Absolutely. And just by bringing forth your your knowledge to the situation or whatever the case may be. But as I know, as Tony know, and any other person that's been involved with law enforcement, when you have rookies on the staff, of course rookies have to do what? Get promotion. Make their bones, so to speak. You know, they want to impress the death sergeants. They want to impress the death sergeant so the death sergeant can tell the shift sergeant. So the shift sergeant can tell the lieutenant. So the lieutenant can tell the captain. So the the captain can tell the chief or the commander, the colonel, as far as highway patrol goes. But when you lose sight of some of the things that the basics that you were given as far as going through the academy or whatever, you you know, it it definitely, in my opinion, it definitely plays a big part once you lose sight of that. But, uh, and as far as, I mean, because we had, there was another incident years ago where we had a traffic situation where uh, an RV caught on fire and then exploded. All the occupants of the RV, I mean, there was nothing we could do. By the time the fire trucks got there, we could hear the screams of the occupants. And, of course, if you have a soul, a conscience, and a heart, your heart is going to go out to them people. But when you only equip with the little and Tony knows the little baby extinguishers. There's not a whole lot that you can do when you have a baby extinguisher in your cruiser. So you praying to God for a, a quick relief of some type of fire department assistance, or hose draggers as we call them, or whatever the case may be. And then this same individual, another trooper that was on that call with me, went home and set his house on fire. For what apparent reason, we'll never know. That's why during the course of a duty day, it, and, and Tony mentioned something as, for, as when he brought up combat veterans. Myself, I'm a three-time combat veteran, wow. and thank God I haven't. You know, they they say that the the PTSD is so prevalent, which it is. It is sometimes. They, sometimes soldiers or prior combat service veterans use PTSD to get off on certain things. Now, is it a fact that it does happen? Yes. Absolutely. Is it abused? Is it abused, in my opinion? In, cer- in certain cases, yes, it is. But it, it, it's, everyone has that emotional trigger, if you will, that once that emotional trigger has been pulled, it's no coming back from that. You know, you, you, go ahead, Curtis. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Go, go ahead. ahead. You, you mentioned something that I thought was so important, and actually we're going to be doing a show here in about three weeks 
on post-traumatic stress disorder, and we're talking about that. And for those that don't know what that is, that's a diagnosis that is given oftentimes to a military uh, combat people who have served in combat. And the fact that we talk about the, it is post-trauma, you know, uh, stress disorder, and it does impact people in a lot of ways. And when you bring up the fact there, you know, even a gentleman today, the officer, unfortunately, allegedly in this tragedy in Selma, he did two tours of Iraq. Okay, now one could either say, well, automatically that's the case. And I think that although there's always a chance of abuse, let's be very clear on it inside of this. What I think that most civilians do not realize is oftentimes the tragedy and, and, and the trauma that a person in combat really experienced. And and to to go from that setting and to be reacclimated to everyday society as if there you don't miss a beat, I think that's it's, it's almost ill-advised to even think that that is possible. Not meaning that everyone is going to result to violence, but there are many things that happen uh, to individuals, and that's one of the reasons. As a as a citizen of this country, one of the things that I have been very much adamant about is that I think that somewhere along the line, our country's got to get to a place that for those that have served in the military, number one, we've got to set aside all the services they need when they get home. I don't think there should ever be anything such. The word a homeless veteran should not even be in the same sentence because I think that we have a responsibility to those individuals. We have a responsibility to their families. We have a responsibility to their future. You know, and uh, you know, and, and we have to have that. I mean, uh, and, and just because you brought that up, when we look back on John Muhammad, who was uh, who became infamously known as the D.C. sniper, former military individual, definitely post-traumatic stress disorder. Uh, I know his wife, I know his second wife, uh, Mildred Muhammad, who has done a lot of work around the country, uh, talk about this issue. And one of the things she talks about is that John never really got the help that he needed once he got back. And how many people that we know can also fit in that same category? So, you know, I, I think in one end, I think what the bottom line is that there has to be more education, there has to be more training, and there has to be more attention and awareness to the situation. Because when we see domestic violence being played out like this, you know, I mean, it's time that we, we definitely raise the bar and do the right thing. Most definitely, and I agree with that. A hundredfold, because I mean, and, and like you said, as far as our the situation as far as concerning our veterans, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I thank God that I've been blessed and I've been fortunate that you know I was able to retire from the army, and you know I'm, I'm in the process of going through the physicals and things of that nature, blah blah blah. Matter of fact, Tony, I'm a, if Tony's still listening when I come to the Birmingham VA, I'm gonna holler at you when I get there. But anyway. Um, but like you said, it's it's so many veterans that are homeless and displaced and no one's advocating for their rights and to say that we've you know, almost we've all made sacrifices and some have made the ultimate sacrifice is definitely something that needs to be first and foremost as far as Congress and the Senate and the White House goes and things of that nature, we definitely have to put more I mean, efforts are being made, I won't deny it. But the efforts have to be fully enforced, and I mean it, it should be to the forefront, so to speak, if you would. So I definitely agree with you, Jay, on that. And yeah, there's gonna, much more to be done. Go ahead, Tony. Can you hear me? Yes, sir. Oh yeah, I wanted to chime in on it also because you, I, as you were talking, I, I 
I, I was, you know, I'm an internet buff. I kind of looked around, and uh, I apologize for the noise in the background. <laughs> my my laptop is lo- located close to my TV, but uh, there's an article uh, that I had looked up on the DailyBeast.com that actually talks about husbands who. It, the, the title of the article is Husbands Who Bring the War Home, and it talks about a military wife uh, that's speaking out about the husbands, the increase she's seen in husbands being transformed into domestic abusers and I don't want to stray too far away but you you can never stray far away when you, you know when you're talking about domestic abuse that's interesting because the show you have coming up I'm going to do a little research on this it's interesting that um as you look at the amount of combat people uh, are coming home now from these countries and and uh, and 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 the stress level and sympathy reminds me of what I used to hear about in the Vietnam War. Um, uh, I had relatives that served time in World War II and then in Vietnam that came back and were abusive, uh, not only to their, their wives but other family members. So that is a valid point that you bring up, that in that case, this particular person um, was, was, was have said to have been a combat veteran. And uh, we never know what's on a person's mind. Undoubtedly, anybody that does that is not per se, quote, normal, unquote, but I think it's important for forums like this to bring every relevant point out because somebody may be listening that's noticing signs in a person in their family member or friend or a coworker that is a veteran that may be able to reach out and talk to this person or family members. So that is interesting that, that both of you that both of you brought that up because this article specifically is written toward Husbands, as they say, who bring the war home. You know, and Tony, you, you said something. I mean, and, and think about it in terms of it. Just like the husband who's serving in combat bring the, bring the war home, we see it in almost any profession. Uh, we see it in athletics. We see football players. You know, aggression. They're trained in aggression. They're aggressively, you know, playing the game. And many of them bring it home. Uh, they don't. It's hard to turn off. And and I just want to make sure that people that are listening tonight understand that we're not trying to justify this type of abuse, but what we are saying is that there are, there are certain climates and there are certain climates that are created that, that produces excuse me, this type of mindset of aggression. And and it's not hard to it's not easy to turn off always. And I'm like saying here's a person who's been trained. They've been out there, they have fought, they have killed, they have seen the most gruesome of type of uh, violence. And then, okay, you put them back in a normal uh, society or what, well, as much as we can call it normal, inside a society, and we actually expect for that to always turn off automatically. It doesn't. And I'm telling you, here's the thing, once again, where we talk about intervention. Here's the thing where we talk about not only intervening, but being able to make these things accessible to people. Because we're so busy in our society, sometimes we do label in such a way that we forget about the fact, do we believe that a person could be restored, redeemed. Do we believe that could happen? Uh, you know, uh you know, I mean, we have to to a certain degree. Think about it. We see people go through Alcoholic Anonymous. We see people go to uh, through NA. We see people that have suffered in, in, in great addictions and, and have become, if you would, imprisoned to uh, certain uh, syndromes. And yet and still, with the proper intervention, we've seen them overcome it. And do we not have a right or should we not have those type of expectations even for those who may now display uh attitudes or display these type of uh, uh, attitudes or these type of behaviors inside of abuse, 
I think not. I think we have to recognize that these things do happen. We have to recognize that we have a responsibility in making a difference when these type of things does occur. So that is what I, I really want to be able to say about that tonight. And I thank both of you guys just for being there. Curtis, man, it's so good having you on and everything. I, I heard the name, and the name sounds familiar. And I'm probably going to dig way back in my, uh, uh, in my memory bank and say, man, I can identify who this is, but it's always great to have uh, – uh, have a great caller, and you've added so much to the show, man. I really appreciate that. Oh, man, I consider it an honor and a privilege as well as a pleasure. I mean, you know, once um, it's like I always say, is when, when, when we have these shows and these topics that are that have substance, if you will, that have meat, things that the public needs to be aware of, oh, I'm all for it 110%. You know, and that's what we have to do. For those of you that are listening, you're listening to Hope and Healing, A Journey to Wholeness. I'm your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so glad that you've joined us here on the Soul of America Radio. And we've had a very interesting topic here tonight as we have been talking about different angles. A very great tragedy happening uh, down in Alabama, uh, there in Selma, Alabama, where an officer, off-duty officer, age 28, uh, allegedly shot and killed his ex-girlfriend, shot and killed her stepfather, and then killed himself. And of course, this news have rocked the Dallas County, Central Alabama area, and with many questions. I will say this, that I had an opportunity this evening to speak to one of Selma's finest uh, pastors there, uh, Pastor F.L. Williams, uh, just a tremendous man, a lot of respect for him and the work that he does there. And let me tell you, when I talked to him this evening, he was fired up. But you heard inside of him saying, we can no longer talk about it. We've got to be about it. And, uh, and, uh, and I understand there's some, I mean, there just was quite a few tragedies that happened in that in that community this weekend, including a 22-year-old young man being shot and killed, uh, I mean, point blank, and just so much happening back to back. And what I heard inside of uh, Pastor F.L. Williams' voice this evening was the fact that we have to do something about it. And I know that he's working hard uh, dealing with police officers there, dealing with the police department, dealing with uh, other city officials, dealing with other clergy, trying to bring together things there in that community to begin their, that healing process, but even more so to take a more proactive role. So I commend him inside of that. So many of you that are listening tonight, I'm so glad that you're on with us tonight. Uh, I want to take a break. We miss all our breaks tonight. I'll be back, and I think N.D., uh, Harlem is uh, there on the line again, perhaps have something she would like to add to this conversation. And you can add something as well, area code 323-784-9638. That's how you can reach us here today. I'll see you right back after the break here. Thank you so much for joining us here Hope and Healing. See you on the other side of the break. Been healing a journey to wholeness with J.R. Thicklin returns after this. Want to get in on the conversation? Call J at 323 784 9638. 
or the, her stepfather. I, I'm quite sure that will be unfolding very soon. But uh, the reality is that it is a tragedy, and we see these type of tragedies played out. And somebody, I mean, more than someone in this case, uh, there's a hole that is left in the heart of so many individuals. There's an empty spot at the dinner table. There is a blank place at the desk at work. There is an empty spot at the car wash or, or wherever they go as a result of this tragedy. And so my, uh, definitely my, our lines are open here tonight. Uh, we're prepared to go until 10.15 uh, Eastern Time tonight uh, uh, to have you to uh, be a part of this. But if you have a question or you'd like to make a comment, I'd like to, uh, you can just simply hit the number one on your keypad after you've dialed area code 323-784-9638, area code 323-784-9638. Uh, that's how you reach us here. You're listening to Hope and Healing, a journey to wholeness, and I am your host, J.R. Thicklin, and I'm so glad that you are with us on tonight as we are addressing this very serious subject matter here, um, dealing with domestic violence. And I, I want to just go even a little step further because, you know, the process now, the process of healing, the process of healing that this community will have to go through as a whole collectively, but also the process of healing for the family members of each of these individuals, the family members of this young lady who was killed, like I said, I don't have I don't have all the details yet, uh, whether or not she's a mother, how many children that she had, but one thing we know, she's a daughter. We know that she's a daughter uh, to someone. Her stepfather was killed in the midst of this. So, you know, there are people that have been impacted by this, and even the perpetrator who did the killing, his family is impacted. I don't know how many children that he has, but I do know this much. He's a son, and, uh, and, th and that family is... Is impacted by this, and so uh, the families are impacted about it uh, by this. The community is impacted by this. Uh, uh, everyone that is connected there, in one way or another, is impacted by this. The law enforcement uh, um, department there is impacted by this. Not in the sense of you know we need to cover this up, but in the sense of trying to make sense of what brought this on. Not that anything justifies it, but. Could we have seen signs that we just did not pick up on? Could we have seen things taking place that we just did not address? And that is one of the reasons that we try so hard when we're raising the, raising the awareness about domestic violence. We try so hard to get each and every one to recognize, get your antennas up. You know, when you recognize signs, when a person is sharing things with you, sometimes they're sharing because you're one that they can trust and they feel they can trust. So I want to just make sure that you have the opportunity to do that tonight. If you have something to say, if you have a question you'd like to add, area code 323-784-9638, that is how you reach us. Uh, by the way, if you'd like to reach us by way of Internet, you have an email or you have a question, the confidentiality that you want to ask, area code 32, I mean, you can do that at email at J Thicklin, the letter J, T-H-I-C-K-L-I-N, at soulofamericaradio.com. That is how you can reach us tonight. Uh, we're so glad to have you join us tonight. Got about 14 minutes left in the show tonight, actually probably just a little less than that. But I want to invite you in tonight. I invite your questions and your comments tonight about the situation. Uh, perhaps you're listening tonight and you'd like to offer up condolences or uh, prayers or whatever to this family, to these families that have been impacted by this issue. And I think that it's important that you have opportunity to do so. You can do so by simply hitting the number one on your keypad, and we will make sure that we get you on the air tonight. I'm so glad that you, for you that are listening in Alabama area, from the Alabama area tonight, thank you again, uh, both uh, uh 
Curtis Taylor, as well as the president of Solo America Radio, uh, Tony Stallings, for your input on tonight. Um, I really appreciate that, both of these individuals are former um, law enforcement officers. So to have that perspective is a it's a good thing tonight, and we're so glad to have had the opportunity to share it here tonight. Uh, so glad that you've joined us on tonight. Uh, as we get ready to get out of here tonight, uh, we appreciate your calls. Your calls are very much appreciated, and I want you to get prepared for next week because we're going to have an outstanding show on last on next week that will address this whole issue of hope and healing, a journey to wholeness. I thank you so much for listening to us on tonight, and we're going to get out of here tonight with just some sound of some music that I hope that will bring hope, that will bring healing, and that will just soothe your spirit. One of my favorite artists today, um, Tamala Mann, as she...
people 